Thank you for listening to the Antelope Island State Park Podcast. My name is Madison, and today we're going to talk about Field and Gar Ranch, the oldest Anglo-American structure in Utah with its original foundation. We're going to talk about why it's there, its role in Utah history, and its preservation status. So for some background on Field and Gar Ranch, it is located at Gar Springs on the south side of the island on one of 40 or so freshwater springs on the island. As we know, the Great Salt Lake is quite salty, so permanent settlement on the island would be near impossible in the 19th century without adequate fresh water. There are also archaeological indications that the spring had been in use by Native Americans for at least a thousand years. So knowledge of the springs and the island's resources were not unknown or unappreciated at the time of westward expansion. The Fielding Gar Ranch is on the National Register of Historic Places. Its nomination form was submitted in 1982, a year after the state purchased the island. Historian Mike Christensen and architectural historian Tom Carter, with the State Parks and Recreation Department and Utah State Historical Society, respectively, applied for national registry status. It was accepted into the registry in 1983. So to to be added to the National Register, one has to do a lot of legwork. To be eligible, a property must be at least 50 years old, be recognizable to the original owner, and be historically or architecturally significant. Christensen and Carter described the physical appearance of the ranch and its relevance to Utah history. Fielding Gar, a Mormon convert from Virginia, was assigned to establish a ranch to manage tithing herds, animals given as tithing to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Through the Perpetual Emigration Fund, the church operated the ranch until the 1870s. I'm now going to quote from the application itself. The Fielding Gar Ranch was significant for its association with the settlement and immigration program of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Organized in 1849 through the contributions of Mormons already residing in Utah, the Perpetual Emigration Company functioned as the immigration agency for the church in its program for the peopling and settling of Utah. In 1850, the company financed the immigration of some 2,500 British converts to Salt Lake City. Once established, the newcomers would reimburse the company for their passage, thus creating a revolving immigration fund, end quote. So this fund is actually how hand cart companies came to be. They were a much more frugal way of crossing the plains than the classical ox-dragged covered wagon that we normally think about. And I'm back to quoting here. The Fielding Gar Ranch functioned as the home ranch for the, for the perpetual immigration fund, where cattle were kept, which formed a major portion of the fund's revenue. Payments were made to reimburse the fund were often in the form of livestock and were kept and managed on Antelope Island by Field and Gar. By 1865, the company had brought nearly 56,000 Mormon immigrants from the British Isles and Scandinavia to Utah, forming a most unique private institutional immigration agency. The Perpetual Immigration Company was dissolved in 1887 by the Edmunds-Tucker Act. Uh, you guys should look that up. It's pretty interesting. Uh, but, but, but during its 38-year history, the company aided either directly or indirectly the immigration of over 100,000 persons, of which some 87,000 were from England and Northern Europe, end quote. So not only is the Field and Gar Ranch the only structure or the group of structures on the island from that time period, but it is the only structure directly re related to the Perpetual Immigration Fund. It was built just two years after the first Latter-day Saint settlers, so the, the ranch has many historical ties and played a role in the economy and demographics of Utah. To join the National Registry, in addition to providing historical relevance, one has to research the property and its former owners. So that means getting the tax number, the legal description of the property, the date of construction, and title abstracts. 
you also have to have a photograph of the property with a regional map with coordinates. The form also requires a, quote, verbal boundary description, unquote, for which the historians describe the ranch location as located in the southwest corner of the northeast corner of the northeast corner of Section 10. Forms like these are often so exhaustive that it makes people sound ridiculous, but Christensen and Carter knew what they were doing. They also know that the ranch underwent an archaeological survey in 1982, but was deemed not eligible for status at the time. All of this, after all that work, uh, it was submitted to the SHPO, State Historic Preservation Office. And with approval, it then goes to the National Park Service for final approval. On, and this can take up to six months. So it was very fortunate that Gar Ranch made it through so quickly within a you know two-month period. The Utah State Historic Preservation Office makes it clear that being on the list in no way interferes with the private owner's ability to make changes to the property or demolish it altogether. They term their service as an honorific designation, and its primary intent of the NRHP is to recognize the history and architecture of the listed property. So I can't imagine that demolition takes place very often, um, unless there's you know some big issue, just because being on the registry often gives a sense of pride and history to the owners and community. The application further notes that the Field and Gar House, built in 1849, is an early example of vernacular architecture in Utah. Constructed of adobe brick produced at the site, the house is one story high and originally consisted of five rooms. So I'm not really sure what vernacular architecture is, um, but their, their adobe brick walls were one foot thick, which is crazy, but they had to be prepared for blazing summers and freezing winters. If you visit the ranch today, which I highly advise, you can go inside the ranch house with the kitchen, dining room, and living room. And the visitor pamphlet states that in the summer, there were up to 20 ranch hands staying on the property. So that meant that the foreman's wife had to feed all those additional 20 men every single day. And look at the dining room in the center of the house and imagine fitting 20 tired, sweaty workmen in there. It's absolutely ridiculous. You can also visit their impressive blacksmith shop and buck house. There is also an underground cellar and a spring house. Uh, the spring house was cool enough to keep dairy, and spring houses were usually built over a spring to keep debris and waste out. Or if not, you can place water inside in this very small building to facilitate evaporation to keep the whole building cool. I'm again going to read from the application from 1982. Extensive remodeling occurred on the Gar House during the 1950-1960 period. Although the historic integrity of the main house and some outbuildings have suffered due to alterations and additions, the ranch complex in general continues to convey important historic qualities, especially as regards to geographical location, setting, and association. Of primary importance is that the Utah State Division of Parks and Recreation, current owners, intend to restore the Fielding Gar Ranch as a historic site on Antelope Island. This is part of their master plan in developing the island into a multiple-use recreation area. The importance of the site in its historical association and age renders it a prime project for historic reservation. So again, that was in 1982, and by October 1997, the Parks and Recreation Department of Utah published a report about their plan for Gar Ranch, titled Antelope Island Fielding Gar Ranch Interpretive and Site Plan. The interpretive goals established by this report include providing self-guiding experiences that involve the main themes to facilitate self-discovery opportunities. 
They also wanted to create a, a tiered system of experiences. That way you can have something to do there on slow weekdays or on busy days or on uh, big events. They also wanted to paint a picture of everyday ranch life and, of course, be historically accurate. And finally, the last thing that we're going to touch on are the goals that the report establishes for the ranch. And these are helpful to hear about because when you go to the ranch, you can see how those goals were put into practice, what they want us as visitors to take away from, from the ranch. So for visitor experience, the report notes that visitors should walk away from the ranch being able to demonstrate an understanding of how geography and climate conditions influence human occupation of the Gar Ranch site. They also want people to demonstrate an understanding of how Native American and Anglo ranch life were affected by changing patterns in Utah and American history. They also want visitors to experience the site with a minimal impact on the resources. The site development plan also stressed that buildings should be stabilized and preserved and upgraded for public access. So this means anything from taking care of uh, trash pickup where people would park, normal wear and tear. But in September 2016, a storm severely damaged the barn roof. Other things were damaged to a lesser extent, like windows and dumpsters. So the ranch was shut down for a period of time for repairs. That summer, there was also a wildfire that came within a half mile of the ranch. But thankfully, due to great work by firefighters and park officials, the fire it didn't touch the ranch. We were It was fine. So part of maintaining the ranch is responding to big events like natural disasters. It takes a lot of work to keep everything upright, ensure a good visitor experience, and also protect the, the ranch from elements and maybe people who don't quite understand how to interact with a historic place. I really do recommend that anyone and everyone go visit Field and Gart Ranch. The living areas are very much pioneer homes, like the ones you're probably thinking of, except for the bathroom, which is only accessible by going outside of the living spaces and then into the bathroom itself. Like, it's cut off from the rest of the house. So imagine going out there in 15-degree weather in the winter. It just sounds awful. The barn and stables were the most fun for me, though, because inside the barn, you see sheep pens, 100-year-old ovens, and old farming equipment. It's also hard to imagine working with that heavy metal machinery, either in the very hot summer or in the very cold winter. Thank you for listening to the Antelope Island State Park Podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and tell a friend. If you don't, tell me. Send me a note at tackley at utah.gov and let me know what you'd like to hear more about. Park information and conditions can be found on our website at antelopeisland.utah.gov. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Antelope Island SP, on Instagram at Antelope Island State Park, and you can search for us on YouTube. Go see the Field and Gar Ranch. It's pretty cool.